Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the podcast. Saul Marquez here. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Sean Nobles. He's president of Navisec, a Tampa-based company that addresses full-service cybersecurity needs for small to medium-sized businesses. Nobles has 20-plus years of cybersecurity experience. His education and certifications include Offensive Security Certified Professional, Master of Business Administration, Fortinet Network Security Expert 4, and Cisco Certified Network Professional. Sean is also a combat veteran of the U.S. Marine Corps, and we thank him for his service. He's doing outstanding work in the cybersecurity space. Today, if you're listening to this, you have a business or you have a, a need for, for protecting the hard work that you've done. And we're going to be diving into some hot topics of cybersecurity and uh, giving you a little bit of insight into this area that I think everybody needs to be addressing in their businesses. So, Sean, uh, an incredible pleasure to, to have you here with us today. Thanks for joining. Likewise. Thank you, Saul. So, Sean, you know, you've been in the, in the cybersecurity space, but you guys have a niche in healthcare. Tell me how that happened and, and why you've been able to make such an impact in healthcare. Sure. So SMBs in general are pretty underserved when it comes to having access to enterprise class cybersecurity solutions. So for the most part, healthcare companies have already an IT guy or an IT girl that's helping them out with their IT and desktop support and things like that. But cybersecurity is very much its own discipline. Being able to provide guidance to healthcare companies on which areas of their infrastructure are most at risk and providing a right-sized solution for mitigating the risks is very rewarding. As you know, I have a family and I don't want their medical records or private information being breached. So I build my solutions for all my clients, how I would if they were housing or protecting my own family's information. Yeah, that's key, you know, and so there's a lot of information that people want. And healthcare has become a target for hackers and people wanting to steal information. It's important that we consider it. And then even from the from the med device space, right, we've discussed the impacts of cybersecurity on devices, right? People hacking into devices. It's real. It's happening. And I'd love to hear what you think is a hot topic that the listeners tuning in today, Sean, should be thinking about cybersecurity. Absolutely. So it's it's our mission to see that healthcare companies have basic cybersecurity in place. It's, it's 2019 and we continue to talk to clients and potential clients that aren't segmenting their networks from other tenants or other building tenants. They don't have a firewall. They've never completed a vulnerability assessment or a pen test. And these are generally basic findings on a HIPAA gap assessment that many companies simply aren't aware that they need to do. So that's one of the things that we like to help out with is just we don't try to do anything too advanced or bleeding edge with machine learning and artificial intelligence and things like that. We're focused primarily on, in the healthcare space especially, getting just basic cybersecurity in place. The blocking and tackling. That's right. Yeah. A lot of the attackers out there, they're just automated scans that are running on the internet all the time. And just with how connected our world is, someone could be sitting in Thailand and they could be attacking a small healthcare company in Mississippi, for example. So what's one of the common mistakes that people make, Sean? And what's one of the common open doors to invite these types of things that people don't even know about? The big thing is just user education, I would say. 
Mm-hmm. So just understanding that what the risk really is out there. And unfortunately, one of the, the biggest blockers that I get when I'm talking to healthcare companies are, you know, along the lines of, well, we've been in business for 20 years and we haven't been hacked yet. And I totally get the perspective and the viewpoint there, but it's only getting worse with ransomware and the automated threats that are out there and these big vulnerabilities that end up in the news all the time. So I'd say in general, the biggest mistake is just not understanding what the real risk is that's out there. And so at what point do people need to start thinking about cybersecurity protection? How big does a business has to have to be? That's a great question. Of course, you know, the answer that I want to say is, you know, day one, you want to start incorporating how you're going to do cybersecurity and how you're going to build out your infrastructure in a secure way. But uh, as a business owner, I get that it's not realistic to think that way. A lot of times there's two ways that we approach how we do our cybersecurity solutions. And a lot of times we just ask our clients as we're starting the the relationship, are you more concerned about a breach and a real cybersecurity event? Or are you more concerned about meeting gaps in compliance? Because the answer there could be two different things in some cases. It all Mm -hmm. depends where a company's at in their cybersecurity journey. And I definitely, from our side, we work with our clients to understand, you know, if you're having a a HIPAA assessment or a security audit of some sort in six months, then we may want to address that first. And we look at the the very basics. Are the basics in place that are going to get you through that HIPAA assessment? On the other side of the coin, if they've already had an assessment done, of course, they've got a nice sheet of paper that says, these are the gaps that we found. And we work with our clients on how to close those gaps. Love it. Yeah. It's good to know the, the, the two sides of the coin for that. And yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think about the basics and, you know, if you have a service that has HIPAA requirements, get that done, find a way to do it. I mean, you, you don't have to do it all. And that's why there's companies like Sean's to help you get that done. And then on the other side of it is you have a lot of data and you want to protect it. Cybersecurity is an actual threat. Get it done. And I think we always learn more from stories, Sean. I'd love to hear a story of a client that you've helped, how you've created results for them through the work that you do. Sure. So uh, I've got several stories where we've made a a clear impact to our clients. And uh, the first one that comes to mind is uh, we have a client that we've detected and offered recommendations and remediation assistance on. There's over 11,000 vulnerabilities in the last year. People's first response is, wow, that company has a lot of vulnerabilities. They must be doing something wrong. But there's a lot more to unpackage to that than just 11,000 vulnerabilities were detected. And it's not uncommon for our first assessments to have hundreds or thousands of findings, depending on the size of the organization. And knowing the vulnerabilities are there and having the recommendations that we put in place for our clients or make to close those vulnerabilities is one of the basic cybersecurity services that I'm talking about, a vulnerability assessment. And if you don't know what vulnerabilities are in your environment, you can't fix them. Mm -hmm. So if you have a company that didn't do a vulnerability assessment, they would have 11,000 unaddressed vulnerabilities in their environment and not know about them. So I would say a big recent one of ours has just given this healthcare company the ability to identify and fix those vulnerabilities, which makes their entire organization more secure and then their clients' information more secure. So now that they have become aware to those vulnerabilities, what's next? Well, just working through the best way to uh, address those vulnerabilities. So in some cases, like a good example I like to use is there can be like a $100,000 piece of equipment, like a plotter printer or a t-shirt printer or something like that. 
that a company has invested a lot of money in. When we do a vulnerability assessment, we might find that that device is 10 years old. There's no updates for that device, for firmware, or whatever vulnerabilities might exist on it. Mm -hmm. But what we can do is we can address that and say, okay, well, it's not practical to just get rid of that device and buy a new one. So what we might do is uh, segment that on its own network and limit the access to that device so it mitigates the risk. Understanding the business case that they have to have that piece of equipment that's important to their business. And I'd imagine the same could be true with any kind of network connected pharmaceutical manufacturing equipment and other specialized equipment like that. So we don't just take the approach to say this is vulnerable, we need to get it off the network. We take the approach to say that we understand that the business needs that device, but let's make it more secure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you know, I've seen a an increased interest in at least uh, like providers, hospitals in, in, in how they manage their devices with regard to cybersecurity. This has been an area of, of increased interest. So these devices that are sitting at, at hospitals, I guess they could be hacked. And then through those devices, if they're connected to the network, the hacker could access a network through them. Help me understand that better. Sure. So what typically happens is you have developers in a a medical research company or medical manufacturing company. And instead of writing all of the software for that equipment from the ground up, they Mm -hmm. may incorporate other pieces of software that exist out there. So they don't have to rewrite a web server or a client server type of application. They can rely on libraries and programs that are already out there. And that's a good and bad thing. What tends to happen from the bad side is they may incorporate a web server or a server type program that it's secure at the time when they integrate it into their product, but maybe there's a vulnerability that was discovered in that particular version that they incorporated in the equipment and they haven't gone back or there's not sufficient tracking to know that that vulnerability now exists in the device, not through anything that the developer did in his code, but because, or her code, but or they might be including that vulnerability from someone else's product that they've integrated or solution that they've integrated into the product. So when we talk about vulnerability assessments, the medical device, any medical device is similar in nature to workstations and servers that we do vulnerability assessments on because they're running the same type of embedded Linux or embedded operating systems that inherently have those vulnerabilities just like a workstation or a server. So then what happens? Like, Can somebody access a network through a device? Potentially. So it it all depends on the nature of the vulnerability. And as you can imagine, there's a scale of vulnerabilities where one may be information disclosure. So maybe there's a way to use Bluetooth to get someone's pulse or something, for example, which Mm -hmm. is protected healthcare information, but it may not be as bad as if a vulnerability existed and you're able to manipulate the way that a pacemaker works. So you're Mm -hmm. talking about information exposure versus actually interfering with the device and exactly yeah interesting yeah i mean it's a complicated space but definitely one that requires attention and and protection the other thing is like ransomware you know the ransomware is i couldn't believe it when i first found out about it and it's basically when people hijack your files and make you pay to get access to them right 
That's right. Yeah, ransomware is a tough one because it enters the network either through emails or USB drive, or if someone brings a laptop that's already infected and they're in a bring your own device scenario and they plug it into your business network, those are all ways that ransomware can get into your environment. Those are just a few of the many ways it can get in. And once it gets in, each of these ransomware programs are set up differently. So they may go out and look for network shares and start encrypting information on network shares. They may capture usernames and passwords that are being typed through key loggers that are included in it. At the end of the day, what makes ransomware ransomware is it encrypts your files. And in some cases, it could be customer databases, patient information, things of that nature. And it presents a screen that says, go to this website and send us Bitcoin or some sort of cryptocurrency, and then we'll unlock your files. One of the things I like to talk to my clients about is we never recommend that you pay that ransom, but uh -huh. if you have no other choice at all, it might be something I'd never like to recommend it, but there's no help desk for these criminals out there that if your files don't get unencrypted, they're going to walk you through and help you decrypt them. Yeah. So that should be the absolute last resort. And when it comes to ransomware, prevention is really the only effective solution for ransomware. One of the first services that we offered was uh, we would respond to ransomware and decrypt the files. And uh, that was back in 2016 or 2017. We stopped doing that because the ransomware has gotten so advanced that wow. all of the methods that we used, like the encryption key being stored in the memory or uh, volume shadow copy, like basically backups that are on the computer, you could go back in and pull the files from there. All of those methods no longer work. And really, we're just looking at, again, goes back to basic cybersecurity with a managed firewall and our incident handling and response and next generation antivirus whether it's ours or someone else's, is just the basics that you need to protect yourself. Wow, man, that's crazy. It's unbelievable the, the lengths that some of these criminals will go to try to, to get money from you or, or even just to sabotage you. It's not worth the risk. And I'm glad we're, we're chatting with Sean here about some of the best practices. Give us an example of, of, of a setback that you guys have had, what you learned from it. Sure. So ultimately, I gauge the success of our team by the fact that we haven't had any of our clients that have had breaches or cybersecurity incidents that directly affected their business with a service that we offer. So that's pretty positive for us. In those regards, we haven't failed our customers, I would say, in that way. But our biggest failure is probably just not being able to communicate some of these highly technical cybersecurity issues that we deal with to the point where whether it's us or someone else that they end up going with at the end of the day, just getting them to understand the real business risks that are out there. And it's, it's a fine line to walk because it's very scary out there on the internet. There's, <laughs> there's just, there's a lot of bad things out there. On the other hand, we don't want to use fear as the tactic to get people to do it, but we want to educate and that's where I think maybe uh, we could find some different ways. Uh, it's a challenge that I took on to do better for the remainder of 2019 and going into 2020 to come up with some uh, presentations or some ways of explaining, you know, just how bad the risk is out there. So that's definitely something I could do some more work on to, to be successful. Yeah, no, I, I love it, Sean. And, and obviously, that's the reason why you're here today, sharing your message with, with the listeners. Absolutely. So what's one of the proudest things you've ever done in, in cybersecurity? Sure. So there's several. So penetration testing is another service that, that's offered, that we offer and needs to be done for most mature healthcare and, and other organizations. And uh, it's not 
necessarily the first thing that you do. It's still considered a basic, I would say, but it wouldn't be the first basic that you address. So what a penetration test is, is it's where a human hacker, ethical hacker, tries to gain access to an organization. We follow a standard methodology called the PTES standard. And our typical approach, depending on the size of the organization, is about a two-week penetration test that we offer. So we start off doing open source intelligence gathering. And what that is, is where we basically, we start with the IP addresses, domain name, the name of the company, and we'll look to see what publicly available information that anyone or any hacker has access to. And I refer to that as a black box penetration test because we don't have any internal knowledge of anything that's going on in the organization. So just one quick anecdote on that. We were able to find on the dark web that one of our clients that's a large, pretty well-known healthcare client, they uh, had their Twitter log in, like their marketing company name, just right on Twitter was, it wasn't even for sale on the dark web. It was just listed on the dark web. So I was able to get that and get access to the account, added it as a finding to our report. And when I was explaining to them, this is the, what we were able to go out and find using open source intelligence. And we found this information on the dark web. Their first response was, well, we don't use that Twitter account anymore. So we don't really think it's an important finding. So leveraging the user education, you know, just talking through the, the scenario with, with the client, I asked them, well, what if one of your competitors or somebody that wanted to do damage to you got access to that? I didn't pay for it. I didn't use any special skills other than searching the dark web to find that. But what if somebody that wanted to damage your reputation got on there, made a posting from your official Twitter account and said, we're going out of business. Please give all your business to and name their biggest competitor. And framing it like that, we were able so, to... So, Sean, I, I want to understand this better. So, so in this particular scenario, you went to the dark web. Mm-hmm. And they were offering this Twitter account with the password and everything for sale. That's right. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so then anybody that bought that could then put things out there on their behalf and make them look bad. Yes. An important gotcha. distinction there is it, there was no dollar value associated with it. So the password and username was just out there. So oh. anyone, I could walk you through in five minutes how to find it. They've Got since it. changed the password. But that's the impact is anyone, especially a targeted, if someone's targeting your business, there's all this information that's available on the dark web. And it's one of the first steps we do and we include in our findings is these employees or your domain was associated with these passwords that are out there that anyone could have access to. Oh, man, that's scary. So the dark web, I've seen documentaries and like read a little bit about it, but it seems really, really interesting. (laughs) Yeah. my understanding is that the dark web, or maybe, is there a difference between the dark web and the deep web? Or is uh, that the same thing? Well, I, I think it's mostly related to kind of the same. And so when they're talking about that, it's an internet that lives inside the internet. You need special access and special software. It's free. You could, again, I could show you in five minutes how to go out and, and get that. But you can't just get to it in your web browser directly. There's additional steps you have to do. And that's what makes it so dangerous is it's, it's hiding kind of under the public facade of the internet. Wow. Do you spend much time on there? Not particularly. So the only function really that I have for it is to protect our clients. Yeah. So you like, go on there to do scans on their behalf to make sure that there's no vulnerability. Or any information for sale. There's marketplaces. I mean, imagine 
it's literally the black market where someone can go out there and say, I will pay $20,000 if someone's able to get patient records for this company, for example. So part of our penetration testing, vulnerability assessments, the services that we offer is to go out and see if anyone's actively trying to get information or more importantly, if there's already information that's out there. There's Hmm. these marketplaces. Wow, that's so interesting. It would be interesting uh, to maybe do something where we could show the listeners what that looks like and um, what types of things are out there. I don't know if that'd be something you want to do one of these days, Sean, and then we share it with the listeners. We absolutely could. And it's really, it's, it's just websites and for the most part, there's forums and it's mostly just, you know, people posting on there about, can somebody get this? Uh, There's credit card markets, there's drug markets. It's been in the news before where someone that ran like the Silk Road, if you remember reading about that, that was on the dark web or one of the dark webs that are out there. And there's these people that they start communities and it's like eBay, like a black market eBay. Definitely demonstrate it. But from a value standpoint, it's good to know that it's there. And it's good to know that uh, companies like ours are out there and taking a look to make sure, right, that that information's not out there. So that's what I mean. I don't, I don't have a... any real purpose to go on and (laughs) no I totally get that man but I think there's a lot of curiosity about that you know and so maybe you and I can chat about that after the podcast and uh, think about what that looks like for the listeners because I think people might be interested but the point here being guys and gals is look Sean and his company are looking at these things and they're spending the time to protect us from the people that want to mess with our files that want to hack into our servers that want to do us wrong and it's important to have experts taking a look at that and sometimes you can't afford to get one of these people full-time as an employee and that's why they do what they do right you could hire them to do the work without having to have a full-time person sean in your perspective what would you say is the most important and exciting project you're working on today sure so i'm Very excited to start working with, uh, there's a vendor out there called CrowdStrike, Mm -hmm. and their offering in particular is, uh, it's really zero to 80% cybersecurity overnight. I really like the product and the service that we've built around it. That's, uh, so CrowdStrike just went public maybe eight weeks ago and uh, had a big, huge IPO. They've been around since, I believe, 2011. They've built their own threat intelligence and things like that to make their product very effective. So what it is, is it's a next generation firewall. So next generation antivirus, what sets it apart from legacy antivirus is, uh, I'm sure you remember there's uh, scans that run all the time and your antivirus is scanning through all your files and that's very resource intensive as it has to look through every file for a file signature. Right. What makes CrowdStrike next generation is it lives in the memory, it's running all the time and it's looking at the processes that are running on your computer. And how I like to explain how it works is if there's a human that's looking at all the processes running on your computer, and you see a process that, uh, or a program that starts indexing all the files on the hard drive. And then it's deleting the backups of those files from your hard drive. And then it's loading encryption keys into memory. And then it starts encrypting files on your hard drive. A human would be able to say, something's not right here. That shouldn't be running. And that's what CrowdStrike does is it's, it's looking at the process. So it's much more efficient and effective on system resources and things like that because it doesn't have to scan all the time and it catches more because it's looking at the behavior it's not just looking at the file signatures so what makes it very exciting for me is 
we were the first or one of the first small MSSPs that CrowdStrike allowed to partner with them. And what's they an were... MSSP? Sorry, I just want to make sure I get the acronyms here. Oh, sure, sure. It's a managed security service provider. Got it. So okay. it's different than an MSP, which is a managed service provider, which is traditionally desktop support, workstations, servers, printers, things like that. We're Good strictly security. Yep. Good distinction. Thank you for that. Absolutely. So CrowdStrike is uh, why we're excited about it is they were focused on like landing 10,000 endpoints, 100 endpoints, and they were only looking at large companies. And it's very good technology that I've been excited about for a while. And we were trying to partner with them for nine to 12 months. And finally, just through persistence and reaching out, they had hired somebody that was going to focus on MSSPs specifically and smaller MSSPs specifically. And we were signed on as a partner, I think his third day working with CrowdStrike. So Wow, uh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. So just being able to deliver, it's been a, a message that we've had all along, delivering enterprise class security to small and medium healthcare and other companies. And we've been pretty effective at that. And we're already seeing that it's been very effective in preventing ransomware. We respond to the detections. So it's not just, you're not just on your own with an antivirus software like traditionally. Now it's, we're giving you incident handling and response on top of the next generation antivirus that I described. Love it. Hey, listen, at the end of the day, this stuff, let's just be honest. It's not sexy, but it's important. And Sean thinks it's sexy. <laughs> and so <laughs> does do. his team. And that's why these are the guys you want, you want working with you. <laughs> They're the ones keeping up with all of the updates and all of the things that make a difference in protecting your business and protecting what you work so hard to do. So Sean, appreciate you sharing that. That's uh, super interesting. I'm going to have to look up CrowdStrike. Absolutely. Yep. Like you said, we're, we're big nerds. We go to bed at night thinking about cybersecurity and uh, we like to provide that level. Uh, like I said earlier, companies have IT people already because you need it for, to help out with workstations and servers, but you also need cybersecurity and it's only getting worse. So that's definitely where we shine. Love it. So time for the lightning round and then the book you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare cybersecurity? Sure. So just basic cybersecurity, vulnerability assessments, managed firewalls, and incident handling and response. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid in this area? I would say it comes down to the user education piece. So like hearing we've been in business 20 years and haven't been hacked yet. I can understand where they're coming from, but it's, it's too much of a risk with everything so connected today to, to not be able to overcome that. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? That's a good question. We aren't chasing bleeding edge technologies in Silicon Valley that flash in the pan. You know, our message is just delivering basic cybersecurity solutions to healthcare companies, big or small. We're a full-time cybersecurity department, and that's what's needed versus the next artificial intelligence machine learning solution that's out there is Let's just get basic cybersecurity. Love it, man. And uh, what's an area of focus that drives everything at your company? So just like we talked about, it's passion, going to bed at night, thinking about cybersecurity. And you know, we want to protect the medical records and important information that our clients have because my own kids or my wife or family could be going to one of these healthcare companies that don't have a basic cybersecurity. So it's, it's very rewarding to help out our focus, I've mentioned a couple of times, is small and medium business because they're traditionally underserved. Larger million-dollar companies have cybersecurity departments in some cases or 
fully staffed IT departments and just providing that level of cybersecurity coverage to companies that are underserved is very rewarding. Love it. Great, great, great responses here, Sean. And uh, we appreciate the education. I'd love if you uh, share your favorite book with us. Sure. So I read quite a lot. I'd say the last book that really just grabbed me and, uh, you know, I woke up the next day feeling better than the day before is uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. It's just, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of the big takeaways from it is uh, motivation is temporary. So focus on commitment. And uh, that's just wake up the next day thinking, all right, how can I be committed to the success of healthcare organizations and cybersecurity and our current clients and commitment to employees to grow a business and all of those aspects. Very cool. Very cool. I love, uh, love that recommendation. David Goggins, super intense guy. He was a SEAL, just an incredible personality. A great recommendation, Sean. Uh, again, folks, if you want to get access to the full transcript of our conversation with Sean from Navisec Cybersecurity, go to outcomesrocket.health. In the search bar, type in Navisec. It's N-A-V-I-S-E-C. And you'll be able to find the show notes as well as uh, links to the book and every other thing that we talked about, including a link to CrowdStrike and and all the tidbits that we've discussed. Sean, before we conclude, I'd love if you could just give us a closing thought and the best place where the listeners could continue the conversation with you guys. Absolutely. Thank you, Saul. This discussion has been great and I appreciate your and our listeners' time. My closing thought would be focus on the basics of cybersecurity and we're here to help with that. So you know, we're more than just trying to sell something and then move on to the next company. We truly want to be a partner and help our clients navigate. We understand how much different products are out there and everyone says that you need those products. Let's look at your business case and figure out you know, what do you need for your business case to, to be more secure and prevent those breaches. And small, medium business, especially, they go out of business if they get a hit to reputation because of all the options that are out there and the fines that are involved. So I want to be a resource to help out with that. I encourage everyone to go to our website that Saul mentioned or find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy. Sean Nobles, I'm happy to help out and we're passionate about it. So, you know, we want our clients to send us your viruses, send us your phishing emails. You know, we love looking at those, reverse engineering those in some cases, and then sharing those with our client is something, clients, something to look out for that is affecting other clients that we have. So I really appreciate it, Saul. Happy to help anytime. Thanks, Sean. And we appreciate you and the work that you guys do to to keep businesses and, and people safe. So again, just want to give you a big thanks and uh, appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 